You are listening to sermon audio from College Creek Church in Annapolis, Maryland. For more information on this local body of believers, visit us online at collegecreekchurch.org or in person every Sunday at 11 a.m. Have you ever um, had this, this situation happen to you? You're trying to find your way somewhere. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how to get there. So you ask someone if they can let you know how to get there. But instead of giving you directions, they say, oh, I'm going there too. Just follow me. Whew. This happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I know in the time of, of Google Maps and GPSs, this doesn't happen as often as it used to, but it happened to me just a few weeks ago. I was in Dallas um, around Christmas and I had gone to meet my brother at a donut shop and we pull up into this donut shop in our separate cars to meet. And as soon as we got there, we realized that the shop was closed and we were gonna have to go somewhere else. And I, of course, don't know where I'm going in Dallas. And so he said, well, hey, just follow me. There's another one around the corner. And we went to the other one and it was closed too. And he said, oh, I know another one, just follow me. And we went to a third one. And when we got to the third one, praise God, it was open. We got to have a donut. Um, but I wanna, I wanna take us back to that moment where he invited me to follow him, follow him to that second and then to that third little donut shop. We're both in our cars, we're in the parking lot, we're sitting side by side, engines running. And I believe that when he said to me, hey, just follow me, he was already backing up. He was moving out. If I was going to find my way to that second shop, I had to follow him. And if I was gonna follow him, I had to move quick. I had to go. And I think that that's actually the case anytime anyone has ever said to me, oh, just follow me. They say it as they're going out the door, just follow me. And you gotta move, you gotta be behind them. I remember when I was in, when I was in high school, when I first had my driver's license, I wanted to drive everywhere, but I didn't know where I was going because I was a new driver, right? So I knew where I wanted to get, but I didn't know how to get there. And driving was fun and gas was cheap. This was a long time ago. Um, and so people would often say, oh, just follow me. I know the best way to get to Mazio's Pizza, follow me. I just discovered a back road to get to our friend Kyle's house, follow me. But every time they would say that they're walking out the door and you have to make that decision in that moment, often to leave everything else you're doing, to go get in, in your car. You have to make that decision to leave a conversation, not even say goodbye, just up and go. Maybe leave your things, I'll come back and get it later. I'll warm up in the car, who needs a jacket? It's fine, let's go. Leaving things behind. And. Nowadays, I know where I'm going a little bit more and I have a GPS. I'd much rather be in the lead car because following someone, if you've ever done it, is a crazy experience. Following other people, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't have the directions, every move is an adventure. Right? Every single step, you're surprised by everything that happens. And every time you come up to a stoplight, that anxiety starts to rise. And you're just thinking like, I really hope that I can get through the stoplight with them so that we can keep moving forward. And another car gets on the road with you and you're thinking like, oh, I really, I got to speed up, close the gap, not let the other car next to us and in between the two of us. Following after other people is an adventure. And for those of us who 
were driving before the days of everyone having cell phones, we also know that following after a person is a precarious situation. The stakes are high, things are risky, because if you lose that lead car, you may never see them again. You may just be driving around in circles until you find a road that you recognize. Right? It's a risky thing. Following is an adventure. And that's what we're going to see this morning in, in our passage from Matthew chapter 4. Here, we're going to see Jesus calling people to follow him. And in far greater ways than we experience on the road, we're going to see that when we follow Jesus, we have to leave stuff behind. When we follow Jesus, we have to respond immediately, but also we will see that following after Jesus is the greatest and the riskiest and the most exciting adventure that we can possibly be on. And so you may remember we're in this series, right? We're working our way through the gospel of Matthew for several weeks. We've been doing this now. Um, we're continuing this week at the end of chapter four. You may remember we've been calling this series as it was written because all throughout the book of Matthew, they're telling us the way that Jesus, the things in Jesus's life are fulfilling the prophecies from hundreds of years previous. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Matthew's gone to great lengths, great lengths to make that clear to us. We saw it in the circumstances surrounding his birth and his early life. We see it in, in his baptism, right? And even last week, we, we see this as he defends himself against temptation. But now this morning, this prophesied Messiah, this promised one is going to begin his ministry, that's where we're at in our text today. Jesus begins preaching and, and teaching and healing people and calling people to follow him. And so if you, if you have um, your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verses 17 to 25. Um, we have the text up here on, on the screen as well. And if you picked up one of these Bibles on your way in, I believe it's on page 472. Um, and so feel free to turn there. And if you don't have a Bible of your own at home, please take one of those, one of those with you. Well, here it is, Matthew chapter four, starting in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan." So like I said, it's the very beginning of Jesus's ministry here. If you're with us a few weeks ago, you may remember that opening line of Jesus's ministry that we see there, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the same thing that John the Baptist was preaching. It's his ministry as well. 
And John now has been arrested. We're told that a little earlier in four. We didn't read it. He's been arrested. Jesus now is just sort of stepping right in line. It's the same truth that he's preaching. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, but with even more power now, because while John would preach that and point to Jesus, Jesus himself is the kingdom of heaven coming near. So he preaches it with authority, right? And that authority is, is gathering for him um, a crowd. People from all over begin to follow Jesus around, right? Word is getting out about his teaching and his preaching even more so. Word is getting out about his healing. People just following him in, in droves. But, but I wanna focus our attention this morning on the following in the middle of our passage. Not the following of a people that are just sort of desperate for the next miracle that Jesus might do, but that sacrificial following that Jesus puts in front of Peter and, and Andrew and James and John. Because that's the following that Jesus is calling us to. Not a following of Jesus that's all about what can he do for me? What miracle can he work in my life? Rather, the following that we're being called to is one that says, hey, lay aside all the things of this, all the concerns of, all the cares of this world and come behind Jesus. Follow in his footsteps. Suffer as he suffered. Live as he lived. That's the calling that Jesus places before these four men. Just think about that story for a minute. Here we are, Simon and Andrew, they're, they're fishing, right? They're just on the shore, just throwing their net into the water, bringing it back in. They're just doing their job. They're at work. They're trying to provide for their families. And along comes Jesus, right? Now they're, they're acquainted with Jesus. They know him. They've seen him before. They've even heard him teach um, before. But, but this time, this encounter with Jesus is gonna be different. Because this time he's not just teaching, but he's, he's calling them. And so he calls to them. He says, hey, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. A phrase that I am confident they had no idea what he was talking about. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And look at their response. Two things I want you to see in their response. First, they respond immediately. And secondly, they leave everything behind, right? They respond immediately. They don't delay. If you've read, um, if you've read the gospel of Mark, here's what you'll find in the gospel of Mark. Mark loves the word immediately. Every, like he's just over and over and over again in the gospel of Mark. He's saying immediately this, immediately that, immediately this. But that's not the case in Matthew. Matthew sometimes kind of belabors the point. But here, he wants you to know that this happened almost instantaneously. They respond to the calling of Jesus on their life. And we see the same thing, right? Just a few verses down, when he calls out to James and John, they too immediately respond to the calling of Jesus. Now, now when you think about it, they really didn't have a choice, right? Their response was going to have to be immediate, no matter what they chose to do, right? Because they only had two options. They could either agree to follow after Jesus or they could deny him and maintain their life as a fisherman. So when Jesus calls them, whatever their next action is, that's their response. Either way, it was going to be immediate. They either got up and followed him or they stayed where they were. And the way I read this passage, I think that Jesus, much like 
my brother, much like many people who've asked me to follow them, he didn't stop. He's moving. Jesus is walking along the shore. And as he's walking, he calls out to them, hey, follow me. And if they're going to say yes, they got to go. Because Jesus is moving forward. The kingdom of God is on the move and it's not stopping. It is always moving forward. All right, so again, not their first encounter with Jesus. Right, they've heard him teach before. They've heard him preach before. They understand what he's about. And so they know that this sort of calling is an all-in sort of calling. They understand what Jesus is saying here in that sense. I believe it's, that's why they left everything behind. They just dropped their nets. They dropped the fish in their nets and they just left. That's what we're told. Think about that. They, they owned, they had a job. They, they were doing their job. They owned their own equipment. They were self-employed. They're not, they're not like people in poverty. We think about fishermen wrong. They, these people are not people in poverty. They've got a job, a good job where they own their own equipment. They're doing their work. And Jesus comes along and they just drop everything. Their way of making money, their way of providing for their family, they just leave it all behind. They willingly give it up to follow after Jesus. And then a couple of verses later, James and John do the same thing. It's even more notable in some ways in their case, because James and John are with their dad. They're part of the family business. They're all out in a boat together. They're doing this work together. Jesus comes by, follow me. They don't even say goodbye. They just jump out of the boat and follow after Jesus. They leave the boat. They leave their father. They follow Jesus. The call of Jesus is a call to leave everything behind, to love him above ever, to serve him above everything. Now that doesn't, necessarily mean that you have to quit your job. But it might, it might mean that. It certainly means that you should be willing to give up anything in order to follow after Jesus. I mean, ask yourself this question. Is there anything that I would refuse to give up to follow Jesus? I mean, is there? Like what, do you have deal breakers with God? Something that you just absolutely would not stop. You absolutely would not give up if he asked you to. If he asked you to quit your job, would you do it? What if you didn't know what your next job was? What if he asked you to quit your job to roam around the countryside with a person who didn't have anywhere to lay his head? Because that's what he asked these guys to do. Would you do it? If he asked you to sell your house, sell your car and give all the money away, would you, would you do it? Would you move to a remote island assured of the fact that you would never see your friends and family again? Would you go? Now I'm not saying he's asking you to do any of those things, but he is asking you to be willing to do all of those things. Just for the, the sake of, of clarity here, let me just point this out. I'm not saying that Jesus is asking you to give up your sin in order to follow him. That's obvious. 
right? Obviously, Jesus wants you to get rid of your sin as you follow after him. The question here is, would you be willing to leave behind good things, righteous things, good things like noble, hardworking jobs that provide for your family, good things like working as part of your family business, good things like the tools that you purchase in order to do your trade. Would you be willing to give those things up? Jesus tells us to love him above all else, more, more than your family, more than your possessions, more than your job, more than anything else in the world. When I, when I get the chance to officiate a wedding, I ask the bride and groom um, to choose their own vows before the ceremony, um, because, mostly because I, I want them to take vows that they are actually willing to take. Um, but if if you go old school with your vows, you'll see this line in all of these traditional vows. It says this, forsaking all others, I will keep myself only unto you. And that, that's the sort of promise that Jesus is calling us to make to him. And he actually says it in one of those passages of scripture that we like to ignore sometimes, these demanding callings of Jesus. We're gonna encounter it later in Matthew. Let me just read it for us now though. It's Matthew chapter 10, 37 to 39. It says this, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. To follow Jesus is to put him above your parents and your children and any other person. To follow Jesus is to look forward towards the suffering and even the death that comes with following him and say, yes. Yes, I will lose my life and my dreams and my hopes and my possessions, my everything. I'll give it all up. Jesus, I'll give it all up in order that I could follow after you. Because when I follow you, I find everything in you. Every single thing you have, every second of your life, he wants all of it. He wants all of you. Right? And it's been said, it's been said that a thing that doesn't cost you anything has no value. Well, following Jesus will definitely cost you. It will cost you everything. But I'll tell you this, you will find in pursuit of him everything you need. It is the most valuable relationship you will ever have. The choice to follow after Jesus is the choice to set out on the greatest adventure of your life. Jesus literally calls us to this, this work of turning the world upside down. That's what he's doing. And we're called to be a part of that, to follow him on this great adventure. And so let's just consider what the next, even just several weeks of the life of these four guys look like, right? They leave their nets, they leave their boat, they leave their families behind, they set out on this journey with Jesus. Let me just read for us again what they encounter for the next few weeks, starting in verse 23. It says this, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. 
and great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. These guys begin to follow Jesus and wild things start happening. All right, first off, I mean, Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, that's all fine. But then he starts healing diseases. And the text says that he begins to heal every affliction among every affliction possible. He begins to heal. And it fleshes that out all sorts of diseases and pains and he's casting out demons and he's setting people with seizures at peace and he's making the lame begin to walk. But think about what this means. This means that Jesus is going up to these people, right? He's walking up to, to people possessed by demons. He's walking up to people with leprosy, this horrible disease, right? That's terribly infectious. And Jesus is just walking up to them and he's healing them. People having seizures. You don't know what a person having a seizure is going to do. And Jesus is just walking up to them. And he, this is a wild adventure that these guys are on. And what begins to happen? All sorts of people start coming. But specifically, all sorts of people who are sick start coming. Can you imagine being part of like a crew of people roaming around this region of Israel and everybody who's coming has got some problem? They all have a disease. They all could get you sick, but they're all coming to see you because they want healing from your master. This is what's happening. He's doing miraculous things, demonstrating that really the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so far and wide, the rumor has begun to spread. Jews start coming, right? We're told from, from Galilee, certainly, but also from Jerusalem and Judea, but also these Gentiles, Gentiles are coming from, from the Decapolis, from beyond the Jordan. And then people all throughout, it says the whole region, people all throughout Syria start coming. This Jewish rabbi is becoming an international superstar. And these guys, these four fishermen are along for the ride. Can you just imagine that experience? Just a week or two before this, they're out just fishing, but just mending their net. And now they're the entourage to the hottest thing in Palestine. Right, Jesus has called them to follow him. He's called us to follow him, to leave. He says, leave everything behind. And when we do that, hey, listen, we ought to do that immediately. We ought to follow him immediately, but, but then you better hang on. Because if you're gonna follow after Jesus, things are going to get wild. Things are gonna be crazy. You're gonna see things that you never thought imaginable. So if you think, if you have found perhaps now, following after Jesus is kind of boring, kind of stale following after Jesus. I don't think you're doing it right. I think that's what's happening. I don't think you're doing it right. Because the life of following after Jesus, it's not just supposed to be like everybody else's life, but with a meeting on Sundays. Just like everybody else's life, but like with nice friends. If you think that's what following Jesus is, you have completely missed the call of Christ. The call of Christ is to a faith-filled adventure every single day. Because ultimately, it's not just about Jesus doing miraculous things. It's about us doing them. It's about us doing miraculous things in the name of Jesus. It's not just about Jesus preaching. It's not just about Jesus teaching. It's about us preaching and, and us teaching that the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so if you look at this example, these four guys, right, in our passage, Jesus calls them. He calls them to join in his work. 
And so they start off here, they're sort of watching and they're, and they're learning. They're on this wild adventure all over Galilee, seeing Jesus do these things, miracle after miracle, crowds gathering. But not too long after, Jesus is gonna turn to these guys and he's gonna say, okay, it's your turn. You go do it. Go do the same thing that I did. That's what, that's what we see Matthew chapter 10 again. We actually see this. So here's Matthew 10. He says this, these 12, so that includes these four we're talking about. These 12, Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, so give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. Jesus says to these, he turns to these disciples. He says, now your turn, you go do it yourself. Preach the same message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Preach that message. Hey, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and heal people, restore people. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk up to people that are dead and pray that they would be raised to life. I want you to walk up to lepers and pray that they would be healed. I want you to walk up to people possessed by demons and pray in the name of Jesus that the demon would be cast out. That's what I want you to do. That is wild. That is an adventure to be on. There's nothing boring about that sort of work in the name of Jesus. That's following Jesus. The life of following Jesus is supposed to be this faith-filled adventure every single day. Kingdom work is amazing because in the kingdom, diseases are healed and demons are cast out and supernatural provision is being made. Think about this. He's like, hey, don't take any money with you. Don't, take a, don't pack a bag. You don't need an extra set of clothes. Don't pack a bag. Don't pack any food. Don't take any clothes with you. You just, just go. Just go do it. Trust me. I got you. I'll take care of it. That is wild. That is an adventure. There's nothing boring about that. And so if, if you think that following Jesus is boring, I might just ask you this. Are you engaging in kingdom work? Are you leaving worldly possessions and trusting that, that God will provide for you? Are you praying impossible prayers with faith, believing that God can and that he will heal people? And are, are you listening to the voice of the spirit of God? And when the voice of the spirit of God tells you to do something that's crazy, you go do it anyways. And when he says to say something that seems crazy, you just say it anyways. Are you standing up for the ideals of the kingdom? Things like, like righteousness and justice and peace, even when standing up for those things may result in you losing friends and other people walking away from you. But you say, no, what is right is right. And I must speak truth. And most of all, are you telling people, are you telling people about Jesus? Are you telling them the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Are you calling them to repentance? Or are you just telling them, hey, Jesus is cool, see ya. Or you say, hey, Jesus, he came and he died for you. Repent of your sins and follow him. There is life in him. Are you saying these sorts of things? Listen, none of those things are boring. 
And so here's the thing. If you're not doing those sorts of things, you cannot say that following Jesus is boring because you're not following him. There are two types of, of callings in, in, our, in our passage this morning. There are two types of callings that I think might be going out to us even this morning. One is this. Listen, there are crowds of people that they meet along in Galilee, all over the place. They're meeting these crowds of people who've never heard of Jesus. And, and to them, the calling was simply this. Trust in Jesus. Just repent and believe. So listen, if you are here today and you've never trusted in Christ, you've never repented and believed in him, let me tell you, the calling that is coming to you today is simply this. It's a calling to repentance, to faith, to salvation. The, the Bible tells us that, that all of us are sinners. All of us. We all have our own kingdoms where we follow after our own pleasure and our own passion. But what happens in those kingdoms, it seems perfectly natural that we would desire our own kingdom. But the reality that scripture tells us is that our kingdom is opposed to the kingdom of God. We have made ourselves his enemy by pursuing ourselves. But, but, but here's the good news. Jesus called, he says, hey, the kingdom's coming. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've made a way from you, for you to go from being my enemy to being my child, repent and believe in Jesus and you will no longer stand condemned, right? God loves us. He loves you enough that he has made a way of salvation, that any who would repent, any who would trust in him would have their sins forgiven, would have new life given to them. But there's a second calling here. There's a calling for those of us who are followers of Jesus. We've, we believe him. But when we look at our lives, we realize that we've begun, we've begun to, to let the cares of this world take over. And Jesus is saying, hey, come and follow me. Leave the rest of it behind. Forget about all that and come and follow me and join me on this adventure of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so maybe that's you, maybe you have begun to see that you cling too much to the things of, of this world. Perhaps you, you've let fear creep into your life so it keeps you from fully following after Jesus. Well, I pray that we might find the courage this morning to join Jesus on this incredible faith-filled adventure. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are just, we're overwhelmed. <laughs> um, one, that you're doing that sort of thing. And two, that you would invite us to be a part of it. And so we just begin by just giving you praise because you are, um, you are a God like that. You are a God who heals diseases. You're a God who comes close to the demon possessed. You're a God who comes close to the infectious. You're a God who comes close to his enemies in order, in order to save and to heal and to restore and to set free. And so we give you praise. But Lord, we also are just so thankful and overwhelmed that you would call us to follow you in that incredible work. And so Lord, we pray for courage. We pray for, for the courage to look at our lives and see the ways that we don't follow you so that we can repent 
and follow you fully. And Lord, we pray that as we do that, that any amount of, of following you that seems boring to us would be filled with adventure. Lord, we long to follow you on a quest of faith-filled adventure for the rest of our lives. So would you do that, Lord, by your spirit? In Christ's name, amen.